Shout out to Love Live Serve. Love you guys. What is it? Love Live Serve. Love Live Serve. That's that's the that's, that's, the, that's the, the YouTube name. The, name? That's the name of the YouTube channel. And this is an undergrad kid. Kid, you forgive me. Two kids. Two, two kids. kids who have five million subscribers. Three, you know, three to four videos a week, right? So, <laughs> so they, they they already had it down, right? Like they had their. They what business are we? We're in the wrong business, apparently. <laughs> can, we, can we bring back those TikTok dances or something? I don't know. So can I do something? All right, Mike, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you. Another episode of the Shots from the Winchester podcast from Greencastle. Uh, this is Shots from the Winchester. If you've seen any of our episodes, you know that we have to start with a shot from the Winchester. What's your uh, drink of choice? Let's go with Basil Hayden. Al Green, some uh, Basil Hayden, please. This is my fifth podcast doing today, so I won't taste oh, okay. it. I won't remember most. I'm kidding. This is not. There you go, gentlemen. All right. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Appreciate it. Woo. Mm. Oof, that's tasty. That's a word for it. <laughs> well, you can't taste anything. Yeah. Ugh. Why, uh, why Basil Hayden? Oh, why Basil Hayden? Um really interesting story i uh i never used to drink any bourbons or scotches uh and uh i was on a i was on a trip to scotland for work actually uh and i played um uh what do you call it golf i played golf over there in the middle of in the middle of winter like in february did you play it um, at st andrews at st andrews did you really yeah, i played played st andrews oh, in the middle of february you don't realize that st andrews is right on the coast right so it was the most miserable weather day, right? It yeah. was misting and overcast Isn't that and every below day 30, right? Pretty much. <laughs> and, and, I, and I came in after the round and, uh, and the bartender looked at me and I was just like shaking. I was freezing so bad. And he hands me a beautiful scotch and he said, here you go, son. This will warm you right up. And uh, ah, I tasted it. It was the best thing I ever tasted in my life. You know, I warmed wow. right up, and ever since then, I'm like, hmm, okay, we'll be going with that. So that's, I like, anytime you say there's a good story behind that, we want to hear it. That's what we want to do. We want to tell good stories on here. Yeah. Which is a good segue into just the whole reason that you came across our radar is, is we love to tell veteran stories, and, and we love to find veterans that are out there doing cool stuff in the world, and somehow just through... Uh, your old job, or one, and one of our folks, they were like, "Hey, you know about this guy, Mike Kersian?" Um, and I looked at your LinkedIn profile. Talk about veterans are doing really cool stuff. It's <laughs> so you are an adjunct professor of entrepreneurship at Drexel. Uh, you you've helped start up a, a SaaS platform in the electric vehicle space. You spent 20 years at Exelon. Now you're running IT projects at, at American Water, and you've been in both the small business environment, very large Fortune 500 companies. Um, and all from the guy who started out as just a, an enlisted Marine. Yeah, yeah. I went in, buck, you know, buck private, you know, yeah. came out, graduated, uh, graduated private. Um, you know, I did, I did my five years uh, in the Marine Corps, uh, you know, on the air wing and did some really, really right. interesting stuff there. Like what? Um, so I actually got to uh, troubleshoot, uh, troubleshoot this major issue with the... Um, with the F-18 Super Hornet, 
Um, oh, wow. Because I was a technical expert in my in my field, which was uh, 6492. It's a PML um, calibration. Oh. IFF, TACAN, navigation, all that stuff for the air wing. And okay. uh, I got to do some really, really cool stuff with engineers and do reverse engineering of certain components and stuff that I'm I'm not allowed to re even remember because it's so classified. But uh, yeah, I mean, I got to, uh, what I think really happened in the Marine Corps and kind of what's helped me throughout my life is it really instilled in me a, a love for learning, right? And, and a love and a, just this pursuit of constant growth. Um, and, you know, ever since, you know, going into the Marine Corps, that's really been the path that I've on, and that's what I've constantly tried to do, and that's what's led me into all these weird and new um, jobs and roles, you know, because I just, I, I, I love to learn, I love to grow and expand my knowledge base and try different things. You, you, were, you and I were talking offline before we even started the podcast about that love of learning, and I was saying, if I could go back and, and find, you know, 17-year-old me who was like, I'm not, I'm only mediocre in, in high school and high school sucks and, and I'm going to college, but I wasn't looking at college like for the academics because learning wasn't for me. It clearly wasn't yeah. for me. If I could go back and, and find 17 year old me, I'd be like, listen, you, you don't, you, you haven't even begun to realize how awesome it is to learn. And, and, and you mentioned that same thing. There's just a, at some point you discover like how fun it is to learn something new. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how you learn that. You just, one day you just wake up and you're like, is, is, it, is it one single incident where you're like, wow, I learned something that's really cool? I think it was really just about personal growth. I don't think it was one single incident. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's funny you mention that about, you know, 17-year-old you. Yeah. Because, like, 17-year-old me, I, I, was, I was always smart, right? You know, I mean, I scored 1,300 on my SATs. I barely graduated high school with a C average. Like, right. You know, I just I didn't know how to apply myself. I didn't want to apply myself. Right. I didn't know how to achieve anything. And and that's actually what led me to go into the Marine Corps because and it was actually looking back was probably one of the most mature decisions I ever made yeah. because I went in because I said they're going to help me get the self-discipline I need, get the confidence I need to achieve my potential. You know, so then, you know, I go into the, go into the Marine Corps. Um, you know, I had one of the hardest schools in the Marine Corps. It was a year long. I came out as the honor graduate of that school because, again, wow. I had learned how to yeah. apply myself. and or, or found something you were passionate about for right, once, right? Right, exactly. Found something I was passionate about, which was electronics and just understanding how they worked and really just diving deep into that. Um, but, you know, then that continued, uh, you know, after I got out, right? So... You know, I, I started, you know, working at Exelon as a technician, right? Just doing basically the same job I did in the Marine Corps, right? But then I went and got my, you know, oh. undergrad degree through a, uh, you know, through like a military college called Grantham University. Yeah. Um, got my MBA that way and then just started, you know, continuing to expand and grow in, you know, my capabilities, my skill set. Uh, and that's what led me on this weird path where I, you know, I ended up here today. There are, uh, I don't know what, if our viewership inc includes a lot of like young military folks. Uh, yeah. I know we have a lot of veterans and a lot of patriots that watch the, uh, watch us on YouTube and, and listen to the podcast, but 
I think there's something really cool. And so when we first invited you and I was looking through your bio, something that I think is really cool is that the, 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 the kid who had a lot of potential who just never really did, never did great. Or if I did do great, maybe I got a little bit lucky or just, I was never like, you know, I was never into whatever it is we were studying, AP bio or, or calc. And I was like, how does this apply to me? And somehow through the, through the grace of God, I guess, right, is we make those decisions that I'm going to go into the service. Um, and that's where we find that that opportunity to be passionate about something. We're like, yeah, holy cow! Like, I, not only am I passionate about this, but I'm actually I'm actually pretty darn smart. And I knew it all along, right? But but just never had an opportunity to apply myself. And and uh, to your point, thank God that the military gave us that opportunity to be like, wow, this is. Yeah, I really think it it gave me the opportunity to self discovery. Right? You yeah. know, you know, you just found who you are and who you, who you were meant to be, you know, through that journey and through that exercise, um, you know, and then, you know, and for me, like I said, it's always been about growth, right. And continuing to evolve, continuing to learn. Um, and you just build on those skills time and time and time and time again, until you can do some, you know, like I said, you can do some really, really interesting things. Um, you know, my passion now, is is really around um, a concept called entrepreneurship, which is leveraging entrepreneurial principles to help large corporations transform. Yeah. You know, leveraging new technologies and adapt to this ever-evolving world that we have. Um, you know, and that's what I teach a lot of my students. You know, is that is that same mindset and the same process of, you know, how do I. How do I look at the world in a particular lens and help, you know, my business, you know, large, whether it's large corporation or small tr corporation, um, evolve with the way the world is, is shaping up? That's an interesting point you bring up because I think a lot of people who have that entrepreneurial bug think that they have to go to a startup because the large institutions have too many like institutional norms. There's too much red tape and bureaucracy, right? I have to go to some sort of startup that's nimble and agile and they can, they can, you know, pivot with the, with the, the shifting tides. But if what you're saying is true, like that's mean, then, then the larger organizations are better able to harness that entrepreneurial spirit. And, and so they're able to use a guy who has, or a gal who has that entrepreneurial spirit. Is, is that what you're seeing? What large corporations are good at is going from big to bigger, right? Sure. Right. That's what they do right yeah. through mergers and acquisitions. Um, but but they miss the opportunities that a nimble company uh, can can cause them, which can cause major disruptions to their industry. Right? Think about it this way: Airbnb. Right? They're one of the largest, <laughs> you know, from a from a um, market cap perspective, uh, hotel chain, hotel firms, you know, in yeah. the world. They own nothing. They own nothing. Not a, not right. an ounce of real estate. Not an ounce. Right? They own nothing. They are just a platform. You know, uh, Uber, the same way, right? Right. And largest can, fleet. Largest and fleet. And yet they own not a single vehicle. Right. Well, maybe they do. But. And, 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 what, and what large corporations have sort of gotten, gotten their heads around is I need to be able to flex to do both so I don't get disrupted, hmm. right? And that's what got me. And, you know, yeah. during my time at Exelon, that's what got me into starting up companies, helping them start up companies, right? Because we saw the potential in the energy industry to get disrupted by new entrants, new players, more agile, more agile, uh, 
you know, nimble companies. And we said, okay, we need to try to build this competency within ourselves to see if we can be this, this disruptor, not become disrupted. Can talk a little bit about that. And I, I think, and I don't know much about that part of your journey, but talk a little bit about that journey into helping Exelon uh, go down the road of, of these startups, particularly in the electric vehicle space. I, I think yeah. both sides, both the entrepreneurship spy side, as well as the EV side are, are pretty fascinating to, to me and I think to our, our listeners. So talk a little about that. Yeah, so, you know, we first started out, you know, we had, we had, we had a burning platform, right? And the burning platform is, was, uh, we had a large fleet of uh, nuclear power plants um, and they were in a deregulated market and they were getting impacted from a pricing perspective because of fracking. Right. And right. what fracking had done to the natural gas prices, which correlated to energy prices, they just sort of, you know, bottomed out, you know. And so we we were left in this in this hole where we weren't making as much money and we needed to bring in, you know, new mindset on how do we reimagine our fleet. Right. Uh, so we had some great wins there bringing in new technology. And and then we took the next step and the next step was cool. It said okay, this mindset, this sort of entrepreneurial mindset, you know, helped us, you know, go down a digital transformation. Now, can it help us, you know, evolve into develop new businesses? Um, you know, so, you know, we began that exploration. You know, we, we launched our, an internal incubator mm -hmm. and, um, you know, began to look at, okay, where do we have, where do we have strengths? Where do we have competencies? Where are spaces? where if we were to come in and play, we would have an unfair advantage in the market, right? And they're all adjacent to, you know, the core business, sure. right? But, you know, we wanted to figure out how could we, you know, are there opportunities for us to do some interesting things and do it differently? I think one of the things that's really cool um, about the entrepreneur space is, um, especially if you get it big enough, is is the vision that somebody else has for your particular technology and you're like well i i built i built a drone because i just wanted to chase snowboarders down the mountain and then somebody says hey you know what we can do we can we can de-risk the idea of a human being going up and inspecting these power lines now we can actually send a drone up to to do some function right. of that i think one of the cool things about the entrepreneur space is when somebody else goes hey, you know, we've been trying to find a solution for this thing for a long time. You happen to build a platform or you built some technology or you, or you solved a similar problem. You had no idea that, you know, you figured out a, a new kind of wristwatch and now we yeah. can use it as a, a life-saving device, as, a, as right. a new, uh, what's it, like a new defibrillator, something like that, right? I think that's always one of the cool parts about the entrepreneur space is when somebody takes that and runs with it. So I, I got a perfect story for that yes. one. Yes. Um, and... It, it, this is actually, it's a really, really unique story and it shows you how we were able to play. So um, backup generators at your home, at your house, right? Yeah. So uh, largest U.S. manufacturer that is a company called Generac, yeah. right? And they, they make if, these backup. You've probably seen them on the side of your neighbor's yeah. house, right? Or yeah, you see, you have it or your neighbor yeah. has it. Uh, they're either natural gas fired or, uh, or propane, right? Right. Um, so one of the concepts that we, t we, we took through this process uh, was we networked the generators, right? And connected them to a cellular network. 
and re would remotely trigger them to island the home. Yeah. And then the, we would sell the energy back into the grid, right? So basically, yeah. it was a demand, we used this, these home generators as a demand response asset. Um, and, you know, we're able to generate money that way. Now, we were, now the only reason we were able to do this is, you know, we had, you know, senior executive at Exelon called yeah. Generac, right? And they gave us a meeting and that we were able to pitch it to their head of, to their strategy folks. And they're like, yeah, let's do this together. Let's partner on this concept together. Yeah. You know, cause if you're, if you're, you know, just Joe Schmo entrepreneur, you're probably not getting that meeting. Right. You might have the idea, yeah. but you probably don't you're get that meeting. You're not calling Generac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and this is where, you know, operating in an entrepreneurial way, you have the opportunity to get that kind of a meeting, form those kind of partnerships and alliances. And, you know, we blew Generac's mind. They never even imagined, hmm. you know, their assets operating in this capacity at a residential level, yeah. right? And then, you know, here we, are, we were, we, you know, got the pilot together, you know, and, and did it and tested it, pr proved out the concept. And then that was one of the um, entities that we sold off to, you know, another, uh, another third party. One of the, uh, the cool things that I, I, I love about the problem solving process, a lot of people just, you know, especially in the, maybe in the, in the more institutional places, they don't, I don't know that they get into problem solving unless you're on the, like the corporate innovation side, yeah. but a lot of people just go, well, we're just going to try and solve it by putting a bandaid over what we've always been doing. We're going to try and slightly modify what we've always been doing. And I'm, I'm fascinated at, at the entrepreneur space, the startup space, or, or, you know, organizations that are truly, uh, like create an, an environment that is conducive to innovation. And, and, and the larger the organization, in my experience, anyway, the, the more institutional norms become, get into place and the harder it is to push, push the envelope in that. Yeah. One, some of the, some of the great stories that I love are about that problem solving and looking and seeing who else has done something like that. I uh, remember a story about, um, when, uh, when the United States military in World War II had to move massive amounts of, of equipment and they went and said, how are we going to move all this equipment? Like, you know, tanks and Jeeps and, it, and it, you know, this is the start of World War II and they're just, how do we move all this even overseas? And uh, same type of thing. They went and said, okay, who has solved a similar problem? And they, to, to your point about that, and they ended up going to Ringling Brothers. Find me an organization. Again, okay. part of problem solving the problem solving process is getting outside of your own narrow window of how you see the world and how you see your problem go, well, my problem isn't that unique to me. Somebody else has solved a similar problem. And they went to Ringling Brothers and Ringling Brothers was the one organization that was used to moving large amounts of equipment and large, you know, just people and, and everything yep. across rail um, internationally. They moved in, you know, they took the Ringling Brothers Circus over to Europe and they traveled all around Europe. So the United States military went to Ringling Brothers and said, tell us how you do this. And that's how the, the military at the start of World War II, if I remember the story correctly, that's actually how they took some of the lessons learned and, nice. uh, and started moving. Yeah. So hearing that, that, that problem solving piece is, uh, you know, and, and it's interesting because what I, what I teach my, what I teach my students is that when you're in that early stage of validations. Yeah. Don't don't get fascinated with total addressable market. You need to look at total addressable problem, right? Mm. What is the problem that you're solving and who else has this problem? Yeah. Right? Because you know, you know, when Uber started out, they weren't just looking at taxis, 
right? That's that's not who they weren't looking at. Hmm. You know, they were looking at logistics, right? And they looked at it from a logistics perspective, and they said, "Wow, if I get into this and I'm able to create this kind of a network, I can not just move people. I can move goods, yeah. Uber Eats, food, <laughs> right? right? All of it. You've now created a new logistics network, and that's." When you look at a problem, you you really need to look at it from a total addressable problem standpoint, not just a market. The other interesting point that goes along with that, I, I think, is um, is being able to envision big, but starting small. Um, right? It is every, every every mentor for an entrepreneur will say, you need to be laser focused on a very niche problem. Right? If you if you are creating a new watch, don't also try and create a new walkie-talkie and, and a new clock start by being very good at watches but to your point um i, I think I, if I, if I without putting words in your mouth but you want to envision big or, or you want to like envision big but you start small start small become really good at making sure at small time pieces that fit on your watch but if that, if your goal is to is to revolutionize the 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 timekeeping industry you can envision big but don't don't get yourself pigeonholed that you're just uber who's just transporting people but you're a logistics company. Yeah, and that's that's really it. It's when you're when you're validating things, you want to validate it on a small on a small scale. Yeah. But you want to hmm. you want to create something that has the ability to scale, right? Yeah. And the ability to scale not just you know to solve you know this little niche problem, but to solve many problems, right? Because that timepiece, right? What what I think Apple did really well with that timepiece is they realized. Oh, now you've got a computer on your wrist, yeah. right? Now I can help you track health data. I can help you, you know, figure out your sleep cycle, right? They've got this sensor that's constantly <laughs> attached to you. Yeah. That's the that's the vision, you know, that an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur needs to have is where can this go, you know, so that you start small, perfect what you're doing, but that you know it can get much bigger. At the uh, at the start of COVID, the movie industry was still trying to figure out how to work around this threat of, of infectious disease. They were willing to look outside themselves and say that the regular film industry and say, who has solved a pro similar problem? They went to the pornography industry and said, you guys have been solving a problem dealing with infectious diseases, all STDs and stuff like that. It doesn't matter whether we endorse your env environment or, your, or your, right. your, your industry or not. You've solved a similar problem and they actually took a lot of lessons learned about how to how to test and how to keep people distance and and how to screen and isolate people. And I always th I always thought that was a fascinating one about being able to willing to look far outside of your 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 lane and see who solved a similar problem. You know, and, and I think that's why right the the time that we are in right now, um, you know, in this sort of post COVID emergence, right. Uh, is really really fascinating because it, you know it it's the singular event that has in my mind you know impacted the world and everything is going to get reshaped in some way shape or form because of it i mean not since world war ii have we had you know like a global event like this and it's really causing mm a lot of companies and a lot of people to really rethink and reevaluate a number of things. And it, and it makes you have, um, you know, 
difficult conversations and uncomfortable conversations, and it forces you to look, you know, beyond just your insulated world that you knew before COVID and say, what does everything mean now? Right. So like one of the fascinating things for me, like that I'm looking at right now is, um, you know, the great resignation, yeah. right. That happened with, with, uh, with COVID yeah. and the, also the emergence, and these were things that are happening before COVID, but they really took off, but the emergence of the gig economy, high-speed internet, NFTs, right? And I think what's, what's really interesting, if you look at talent right now, talent is in such, such supply, but what I think, two things happened. One, you had a portion of the workforce, right? Your retirees that are not, you know, not coming back. They just said, I'm done, I'm good. Yeah. And then you have all these young people, right? And all these young people are gig economy. Maybe they've got a YouTube channel, you know, and they're making enough on all of these other things where they're never going to apply for a normal job ever. So, it, so, mm. so, you know, on the one hand, you have this yeah. great recession where, you know, people are reevaluating their lives and saying, okay, I want to go do something I'm passionate about. And two, you don't have workers that are beating down the door trying to get those jobs because they're like, dude, I make, I make 80 grand a year, you know, making, you know, on my YouTube channel, you know, with between brand endorsements and, and, you know, ad revenue. What, what do I need to do? Like, why, why do I want to change this? Do you, do you think we, do you think we come back? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm talking to a professor of entrepreneurship. This is like, I want to, I want to pull on that thread a little bit. Do they yeah. come back? Is there some point where they're like, no, I actually got to pay for mortgage and I have three kids and, and I actually need to get a, a job that pays commensurate with where I should be. I mean, I think... I use I, the word should be. Lightly. Yeah, I think some come back, but I think a lot of people just say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it some other way. Like a little bit of a lifestyle business, right? Lifestyle business, right? So, huh. you know, again, like let's say you're a travel blogger, right? Let's say yeah. you're a travel blogger. You know, you can travel for cheap. Right. And, and they can create a lifestyle around this where they just that's what they do is they travel. They do blogs about the places that they travel and they make just enough money. Look at you know what? There are there are YouTube channels out there about RVing and people just talk about RVing. Right. And that's what they do. And that's their lifestyle. And they can monetize it. And they can monetize it. I mean, that's what the Internet, you know, that's what, you know, ad revenue on mm. you know, social media platforms. That's what's enabled people to actually make this kind of a decision right and and you know they're not they're not beating down the door to go back to any kind of normal job they're just going to do this what's uh what, what what's two of the biggest things that you that you tell uh undergrad folks at the at drexel's entrepreneur program that you maybe wouldn't have said be 10 years ago or just what, what are their two what are their if you guys are looking at entrepreneurship these are the two biggest things you need to ask of yourself or understand about the environment you're going into um, I mean, one thing is I always try to give them a, tell them to have a global view, right? And, mm. you know, because, you know, between the internet and, you know, social media <clears throat> platforms, there is no, you know, you can pretty much touch anybody. The barriers to entry in any market are so low right now that you need to think globally and you need to think, you know, and you need to think about problems in that perspective, um, you know, because, hey, it, you know, this main, this product service ad, you know, blog may not make it in America, 
you know, Japan. Yeah. Oh my God, right? I mean, my mm. son, my son's addicted to Japanese anime, right? <laughs> How like, old is he? Yeah, he's thirteen. All right, that, that makes sense because that's know? my my twelve year old is totally in the same boat. Yeah, like I mean, you know, One Piece, Naruto, like all of it. You know, he spends crazy amounts of time, <laughs> and oh my God, they've had thousands of episodes. How did that get? to the shores of America. Oh, and he's not listening to it in English. He's listening to it in <laughs> Japanese, right? How, how does that get to America, right? Because there's no barrier to entry from a, you know, anymore, you know, it's all, it's all online. Um, so I think, you know, the global view mm. is, is important. And then I also, the, the other thing I, t I teach to all my students is if you get good at something, figure out multiple ways to monetize it. Right. So, hmm. for instance, um, yeah. you know, I, I actually had some of my students um, in my class, they they have a YouTube channel and, you know, they've got like five million subscribers. Shout what? out to sh shout out to Love Live Serve. Love you guys. What is it? Love Live Serve. Love They're, Live Serve. That's that's the that's, that's, the, that's the, the, the name of the name. That's the name of the YouTube channel. And this is an undergrad kid. A kid, you forgive me. <laughs> two kids, two, two kids. kids who have five million subscribers three you know three to four videos a week right so so they they already had it down right like they had their they what business are we in? we're in the wrong business apparently can we, can we bring back those tiktok dances or something i don't know so can i do something yes so so you know they already had the they already had the youtube thing figured out right and they yeah. you know they knew how to make content and you know make content that was catchy and could you know get them um what they came into my class was you know, how do I, how do I create other revenue streams, right? Yeah. You know, so then, you know, so we started getting them, you know, exploring, you know, merchandising, you know, and becoming merchandisers, you know, and even potentially moving into production, like becoming a production company of other YouTube talent, right? You know, because they're really good at developing content, yeah. right? So it's like, think about multiple revenue streams, right? And if you, and if you do that, right, it gives you the opportunity to expand, you know, on, you know, how you make money. Like, I'll give you another example. Um, there's a really famous YouTube person called Mr. Beast. Yes, right? the, the, the YouTube guy, YouTube, YouTube guy. YouTube YouTube my guy. kids my, all know all about him. Right, what, what, what fascinated me was, you know, the virtual franchise, Beast Burger, right? Yeah. Beast Burger, it, it has no physical location. No physical, yeah. No physical you location. You know how I found that out? Because my kids were like, Dad, can we go to Beast Burger? Can we go to Beast Burger? And, and my, my two boys, or my younger boys, I was like, fine, we'll go. We Googled Beast Burger. We went. It was a, uh, it was a, uh, like a Cartucci's or something restaurant. Yeah. I was like, wait, where the hell is it? And I went inside. The guy was like, oh, yeah, we just, we, we licensed through this place. Yeah, exactly. No, you know, but again, he's got all the advertising that he wants because he's got the platform, right? And it's he's crazy. got all that. He's got all those people that know, know about him. And he's like, okay, well, how else can I monetize it, right? So now he's got Beast Burger. You know, I think they actually just opened their first physical location. That. People camped out for like, yeah. like 70 Crazy. hours or something insane, yeah. He's got Beast Candy or something like that. Yeah. Like he did the Wonka, Willy Wonka thing, right? But, but that's how you... He knows what he's doing, obviously, because yeah. my, uh, my nine and my 12-year-old boys are asking me all the time, can we go to Beast Burger? Can we buy Beast this, Mr. Beast that? Yeah, he yeah. he's obviously knows he's got the corner on the market. Right, but but it's the mindset, right? So he wasn't just thinking, you know, <laughs> he wasn't just satisfied. It's like, okay, you know, I've got all these YouTube subscribers, right? How else do I monetize Mr. Beast, right? Yeah. How do I, you know, how do I take this thing global, right? And it looks different, right? And and it you just don't 
pigeonhole yourself into, you know, this is my myopic lens when I see the world. There is so much opportunity by leveraging, you know, the and building upon what you started. Totally, well, related question, but not even where I thought we were gonna go. Every kid today wants to become, or every video is gonna go viral. This is gonna go viral. Every kid wants to be Mr. Beast or, um, or the, the dude perfect guys or something. But yeah. we all know that they're, 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 they're like the unicorns, like the, the apples and the Teslas of the world. What, what's part of the secret? This is a loaded question. What's part of that secret to success, to being um, YouTube famous or, or, or being able to, to gain some traction to where you, you mon you're able to monetize it? Uh, that's probably a, yeah. a, that's if you knew it, you'd probably be selling no, that, that sauce no, I recipe, mean, right? It's it's pretty. I mean, content is king. Yeah, right. Content is king because you need engaging content, and but beyond that, it's consistency, right? Yeah. So you know the the you know the love live serve guys, right? Going to school, undergrad, right? They produced, you know, and they, and they worked with their, their, their people. They had to produce four videos a week, right? With, and, and honestly, that was like 40 to 50 hours worth of work a week. Yeah. But they produced it, you know, they produced four videos a week. They dropped uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, right? And they did that for years, Right. Because that's what people want. You know, they yeah. want that. They want that consistency, consistency. They want to go back and say, OK, mm -hmm. I know that I'm going to get some new stuff here. Yeah. Um, you know, that's how you build a following. Right. Is really those two things, engaging content and consistency. We had uh, a guy named Mr. B. Allen or Mr. Ball. And he's, uh, he's a former SEAL who does these uh, TikTok or not TikTok. He does uh, YouTube videos, YouTube shorts. They're yeah. two and a half minutes long. And, and it's interesting you say that because embedded in what you said a second ago is they want consistency. They, they dropped Tuesday, you know, or whatever, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then uh, Friday and Sunday. Um, that consistency, that's almost a, a masked word for you got to be willing to put in the grind. And, oh, yeah. And I bring it up because when we had uh, Mr. Mr. Ballin on, on the podcast, uh, he said, he said his words, nobody's going to fucking outwork me. That was, he said, <laughs> and, he, and true to form, he has. He is, he's grown from, when we had him on, he was 600,000, 700,000 uh, subscribers, and now he's at 6 million or something like that. But <clears throat> he's only gotten there because he's just been willing to put in the time, put in those 12-hour days and just grind and just grind and grind. And to yeah. your point, um, you got to be consistent and all this, but that's, what, like, that's a, uh, uh, almost a, uh, um, uh, a, a synonym for, you got to be able to put in, put in the grind. Yeah. And, and you it know, it ain't going to happen overnight. So, um, I watched the video on, on, uh, on YouTube about story about Kobe Bryant, right? Yeah. Did you ever hear this one? No, go ahead. So, um, it was this all-star guard from the, from the nets at the time. Um, he went into the, he went into the gym to, you know, before the game to get a, to get a workout, in, yeah. you know, and, and Kobe was there, you know, and, you know, working on his game, right? So guy put in an hour, yeah. right? And Kobe, you know, Kobe was still working. Yep. Kobe was still working. And guy went and got a shower. Yep. Comes out, Kobe's still working. And then eventually Kobe leaves, right? Yep. So, uh, you know, that night, Kobe dropped 40 on him. And after the game, he's like, Kobe, like, why are you putting in, why are you putting in so much work in the gym? He's like, oh, when I saw you, 
I wanted to make sure you knew you would never outwork me. Yeah. Right? I, I think I had seen that on a, yeah. on a YouTube short or something like that. And yeah. And, and it's just... That's but, powerful. It is. It's powerful, but it, it's what it takes. Yeah. I mean, you know, even you know, even throughout my career, the passion for learning, right? And the passion for growth has been a grind, yeah. right? There's no, there's no getting away from it, right? You got to be willing to do the work, you know? So, I mean, even my kids, uh, you know, you know, 12 and or 13 and 10, right? I'm teaching them and showing them like, hey, you got to be able, if you have goals, set goals, but you got to put in the work to, to get there. And, you know, and they, and they're, they're taking it to heart. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty proud of that. That's a- uh, last question for you. Uh, yeah. How much, obviously we're a company that, and we're a podcast that celebrates veteran wins and veteran uh, successes in life. How much did your time in the Marine Corps play into what you've done and all these great successes you've had since? It, you know, fundamental to my foundation. I mean, fundamental to the, to the foundation of my, you know, of who I am today. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting here without the lessons I learned, you know, throughout my whole time. Um, you know, even, even, you know, getting my education, right. I used my GI bill to get my undergrad. Um, you know, I, I don't have college debt, right. All of these things, you know, are because of, you know, me making that commitment at 17 years old to serve my country. And, you know, I have gotten way more out of it than, than I ever put in. Um, you know, yeah. and I'm just grateful to have had the opportunity to serve. Um, and, you know, I would encourage anybody that, you know, that's thinking about it. You know, there's great opportunity to go do it. You know, discover who you are, learn skills, discover what you're passionate about. Um, yeah, it's been great. One of the uh, one of the things that in your in your words you and, and in your experiences and, and in your uh, career path, you've done a lot of problem solving. You've been involved in a lot of innovation. And I think people think that the military churns out robots who know how to follow orders and they know how to do what they're told. And they're not really, they're not innovators because all they've ever done is follow orders. And I think your story is is a great testament to the fact that like you learned, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you learned problem solving and how to be creative and, and, and how to get through the grind in the military, right? Absolutely, right? I mean, because you're you're given all the training in the world, yeah. right? But then you get out into the real world situations that don't quite fit, right? And yeah. you've got to figure out how to achieve the mission, you know, with this with an operational environment that doesn't quite exactly align with, you know, the standard process or procedure. And and but you know, the military trains you to adapt, overcome, you know, focus on what is the end goal of the mission problem you're trying to solve and, you know, give you the confidence and the skills to be able to navigate your way through it. Awesome. Uh, where, last thing, where can folks find you on the interweb? Oh, uh, LinkedIn, right? Uh, you know, I'm big on LinkedIn. That's, uh, you know, my primary medium of uh, engaging with people. And it is Mike, K-U-R-Z-E-J-A. Did I get it right? That's right. What is that? Is that? It's Polish. Polish, and it had yeah. to be. It's got to be. It's all funky yeah. letters. Mike Kerja, hey, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank really you. appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you. All right, we're out. See ya.